I know this morning the Lord's been speaking. I'm going to ask Pastor John to come real quick. He, the Lord was speaking to him, what, something that relates to the message that I'm going to share this morning. So, The other day, I came home from work last Monday, and um, I flopped in my chair because I was so tired. And immediately, I heard the word in my ear softly, work. <laughs> so I went, Lord, do you know how old I am? I've got to start work. But then uh, on Thursday morning, I was spending time with the Lord. And just sitting there, as Steve had told us to sit, amused with the, the word of the Lord and just sit with him. And then this came. It said, work for the night cometh when no man can work. And I looked that up. It's in uh, John 9, 4. It's the second part of a verse that Jesus used. And I believe that there's a darkness coming upon the earth. I know we've had a victorious morning, but I believe there's a darkness coming when it says no man can work. So I believe the Lord more than, you know, what we sometimes see before us. But I just wanted to bring that this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew, the 25th chapter. We're going to begin reading there with the first verse. I'm sure this is a passage that's familiar uh, to many of you, but over the last six weeks, two months, the Lord has just been impressing this message upon my heart. It has something to do with that night, which Pastor John was talking about just there. Amen. And so uh, let's begin to read this morning from chapter 25, verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go get out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some oil for our lamps. Are going out. And the wise said, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, this parable was taught by Jesus toward the very end of his ministry. I don't believe that is just happenstance. I believe it was with purpose. If you look at the context of where this parable falls in the Gospels, it falls toward the end of Jesus' ministry, toward the last week when he, before he, passed, he died on the cross. And um, not only that, but it follows, especially in Matthew, it follows the discourse that Jesus gave when his disciples asked, Lord, what are the signs of your coming? And then the Lord spoke for a full chapter 
on the signs of his coming, the things that we should be paying attention to, the things that we should be looking for. And then he went on to, to continue in, in, in teaching on that. He taught another parable about the fig tree. And he said, when the fig tree buds, beware. He said, that generation will not pass away until the Lord comes. The fig tree is Israel. Israel was born as a new nation in 1948. It became a full nation in 1967 when they were able to capture the whole city, the eastern part of Jerusalem, and the Temple Mount. Amen. We were there in 1918, or 2018, no, excuse me, <laughs> 2018, when um, the, they moved the United States Consulate to Jerusalem to recognize Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel. Amen. So all of these things are taking place. The Lord says, when you see the fig tree blossom or budding, then you know that the time is at hand. This generation surely, surely shall not pass away until the coming of the Son of Man. That puts us on alert. Amen? And there are many other signs of the times. <laughs> Jesus, one of the things he said there in Matthew 24 was, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Amen? The days of Noah when men's thoughts were on evil only continually. And if you read on a little bit in a few verses later there in chapter 6 of Genesis, it says that corruption and violence filled the land, filled the earth. Amen? Now, that is prophecy that was given many, many years ago, about 4,500 years ago or more. Amen? But it reads like the newspaper. Have you been paying attention? Now, I hope you focus on the good news, but you have to listen to the bad news too because it, it, sometimes it gives you an indication of what's going on in the earth and what it's indicating, amen? So when you see corruption, and I hope you see it, and when you see violence, understand that that is related to the fact that the hearts of men are on evil continually. That's all they're thinking about. What's the next sin that I can cook up? What is the next thing I can do? What is the next extreme to which I can go to? Amen. And they give themselves over to sensuality. But sensuality doesn't travel by itself. It travels with corruption. And it travels with violence. Amen. And our hearts are reeling with the violence in our nation due to the events of the last couple of weeks. Now that goes directly to the immorality, to the wickedness of the people around us. That better not be you. I'll tell Pastor Jonathan. No. Um, <laughs> so fun to be able to tease him. Anyway, been doing it all his life. So, but um, anyway. Amen. Because we should be different. We're not of that sort. Amen. The Bible says, but you, but you have been delivered out of darkness into a marvelous light. And that's where we dwell this morning. But these things all pertain to this. And Jesus taught this parable. And then at the end, he says, watch and be ready. So the thing is this morning I'm, I want to teach this positively. I believe that we can be ready. I don't want to teach it negative like, you all need to get ready. Notice I said we, yeah. right? We, are we ready? You know, but we can be ready because of what Jesus Christ has done. We can be ready if we do what the Lord said to do. If we heed what he's saying in this parable. Amen. These parables... It's nice little stories that we teach in our Sunday school. These parables are the word of the Lord given to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. They should receive from us the highest amount of attention and should speak to our hearts, no matter how many times we've heard them, never to ignore them. The, ignoring the word of God is very dangerous. I saw a little cartoon the other day on Facebook. And it was a, a picture of uh, Noah's ark rising on the flood waters. And there were two little dinosaurs on top of a high mountain surrounded with water. And one of the dinosaurs looks at the other one and says, was that today? <laughs> Do not be a dinosaur. They did not survive the flood. Because they weren't ready. They weren't watching. They weren't paying attention. I'm sure Noah invited them. They just forgot what day it was. But So the thing is, is, is the point of this is that we be ready, that we pe be people ready for the Lord, that we be ready for whatever lies ahead. Amen? I believe the Word of God is sufficient enough to give us understanding to be ready for whatever happens. That we as the people of God should be girded with, with the belt of truth. We should be girded with the belt of truth. We should be holding up that shield of faith. We should be in our hand have that sword of the truth, which is the word of God. There's nothing that we cannot stand against and overcome with the power of God's word. Amen? And so... As we look at this parable to gain some understanding. First of all, we see ten virgins or could be said young maidens. There were ten of them. And they were all young maidens. Young maidens who'd set themselves aside for a specific purpose. And that was to go um, and to meet the bridegroom. There was a wedding. All ten of these women went out to meet the bridegroom. In the Eastern weddings, they, they get carried away. I, I kind of like it. Judy and I had the privilege of going to a, a, a wedding of some Armenian Christians, had their uh, daughter marrying a young, wonderful young man, and we were able to go to that wedding. My goodness, I've never seen such wonderful rejoicing. But there were a whole bunch of women who ran in, clapping and dancing with full fury before the bridegroom and, the, and, and the, the bride came through the door to the reception. Amen. They were in full mode celebration. And they stood there and everybody went and we all danced for about 30 minutes celebrating this wonderful occasion of this wedding. And then we went and we sat down in a banquet. I mean, my goodness, I don't know when I've ever had a meal like that. It was marvelous. Amen. But they didn't spare any expense and they didn't hold anything back because they were there to celebrate this very significant event. And you and I are being invited to the wedding banquet of all history. We are being invited to the wedding of the bridegroom and his bride, the church. Amen. So as we came to that table, we come to this table as it is a memorial. We show forth his death until he comes. Though this isn't just a looking back. This is a looking forward. Amen. An anticipation of when we come into that table and he takes this anew with us in the kingdom of God. That should be for us high on our expectation. It should be the very focus of our life and our being is to be ready. To be ready. Amen. I, I have two sons and one daughter and I can tell you the sons are cheaper to get married. It's also a little easier because the bride's family's doing most of the work. But um, being the husband or being the, the father and mother of the bride, I mean, it kicks in and you start preparing. And uh, there's a lot involved, amen, but it was worth doing, amen, because we got Mr. Wonderful Sam and five wonderful grandchildren later down the road. 
But I tell you, we, we, we'll never forget all, all of the details. Amen. The whole family working together to prepare for this wonderful occasion of this wedding. Amen. So it's, it's a priceless, it's a, it's a marvelous thing to be invited to anybody's wedding. But to be invited to the wedding of the Lamb and to the wedding supper of the Lamb is the privilege of the body of Christ who we're not just invited. We are the bride. We are the bride. But Jesus teaches this parable of these ten women who had come to go in with the bridegroom to the wedding. They were all young maidens. They'd set themselves apart for this thing. They all had that in common. They all had lamps. Every one of them had a lamp. Amen. It was weddings took the, the coming of the bridegroom was uh, the, the wedding feast was something that took place in the evening. And uh, it, it probably goes like this. How many of you know the bigger the meal, the more things that are being offered on that table, the longer it takes to prepare it, right? And not only that, but the greater the event, the longer it is to get everybody ready. Men, I've, I've, I've uh, officiated over many weddings in my ministry over the years, and <laughs> there was one time we started a wedding an hour late, because of all of the preparations that were still being made, even as the wedding was supposed to begin, I sat there in a room with more than 150 people waiting for the bride. And when she got there, her friend was still sewing up the hem on her dress. But anyway, there's a lot that goes into preparing for a wedding. Amen. And, and, and one thing this says is this, they were all there. They were all anticipating this. They all had lamps. They all had oil. They all had oil, but the, the five foolish virgins just had oil in their lamp. They had no extra oil, right? But in that sense, they were all alike. All grew tired. Amen? How many of you know waiting can be the most tiring thing in the world? Can't it? No, anybody here like to wait? Um, Especially when you're anticipating something exciting and something wonderful and you're waiting and the sun's gone down and you say, oh, it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen soon. And start looking at your watch. Not here yet. Not here yet. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Not here yet. About that time, your eyeballs start to say, hmm, it's been a long day. I need a little rest. And so your eyeballs, your eyelids are getting heavy and your eyeballs start to close up. And pretty soon, you're sound asleep. They're all asleep. All ten of them. Not just the foolish, but the wise also went to sleep. There's no sin in being weary. There's no sin in being sleepy. Okay, but you do have to watch out about going to sleep in church. I had a missions class in seminary, and we always began the missions class with the professor sharing with us about some missionary and uh, details of their ministry and where they were and what they were doing. And then after five or ten minutes, he would ask somebody to pray for this missionary. And uh, one time he got very involved talking about this one missionary that he knew particularly well. And one of the students in the class went sound asleep. Uh, waiting for the, the class to begin. He was a married student. He worked nights to take care of his family. And anyway, it was just more than he could bear. He went to sleep. And then he had a friend, sort of friend, who just reached over, punched him, and said, he called on you to pray. Well, this guy jumps up, starts praying, and the professor's still up there trying to say something. Anyway, but he was moved. <laughs> so you do have to pay attention to what's going on. But they all went to sleep. Amen. How many of you know? You can get weary and you can get to sleep. But then there's a cry. 
the bridegroom cometh. And that cry changes everything. Because now there's no more waiting. Now it's time to act. And to, to be ready to meet the bridegroom. And the five wise virgins quickly rose up, looked at their lamps, poured in more oil, trimmed their lamps so they would burn bright, and were ready to meet the bridegroom when he came. The foolish looked at their lamp and the oil, some of it probably gone out or almost gone out, and they realized, I need more oil. But they didn't have more oil. There was no extra oil for them. Now that's very simple, it's very plain, but it's very powerful. Amen. They thought they were ready, but they were not ready. They were not ready. Now you can say, well, you know, that went to midnight. Maybe they weren't planning on a midnight cry. Men, you go around the body of Christ, you find those who are pre-trib and Jesus is going to come before the lights go out. Then you have those who are mid-trib and, you know, things are going to get rough and tough, but then Jesus is going to come before the wrath comes and then take us, the bride, out, okay? And so you might say the, the, the ones who are pre-trib are kind of, it's going to come right after supper, you know, just early in the evening. It'd be, you know, just have your bags packed, be ready to go. You're not going to lean a lot of oil because he's not going to take that long. Well, there's something in this parable that says, in this case, the bridegroom didn't come till midnight. Men? And so, like I say, as a pastor, there's some that come early. There's some that come late. So, anyway, we know about those things. But the thing is, is to come ready. <laughs> to come ready. Now, what does that mean? What? What is that? We all are a lamp for the Lord. Amen. We all are a lamp for the Lord. God put us here to be light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We're put here to be light. Amen. And there is to be light in our life. And, and, and so we are the lamp. But we're, we, as the lamp, we need some things. You know, they say to have a fire, you have to have three things. You have to have oxygen, you have to have fuel, and you have to have heat, right? In order to create a fire. If you have a lamp, you have to have a lamp, you have to have something in it, and you have to have fire. I believe the fire in our light lamp is Jesus Christ. He said, I am, I am the light of the world. And I believe when we give our hearts to Jesus, amen, that light comes back into our life. I, I, I was saved as a young boy, only nine years old. But I tell you what, I know that there was something different. The moment Jesus came into my life, the darkness, the shadows fled. Amen. <laughs> Part of my testimony is, is before that, I was tormented with night terrors. Every, I would have these terrible, terrible nightmares at night. And I would be being chased by thousands and thousands of demons. And I remember one night the demons had me cornered and I'm just trying to save myself. And I reached out and went like that. And one of the demons pulled off his face and it just fell apart and there was just ugliness underneath. But I'd wake up just soaked with sweat, afraid, and terrified. But when Jesus came into my life, I never had those dreams again. The terror of the night was gone. And I believe when the light of Jesus Christ comes into our life, the darkness loses its power. We will have darkness around us, but I believe we can have light within us. We can have the light of Jesus Christ within us. But there's another application of light. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Men, Jonathan 
quoted it earlier, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So the Lord is light, but his word is also light. His word brings light. The virgins are woke up to, to trim their light, to make them brighter. But if it's going to burn, it needs a light of the God's word, whether it is the living word, Jesus Christ, whether it is the written word, which is the Holy Bible, the scripture, whether it is the prophetic word that God gives us from time to time, whether it is the spoken word of, of the teacher and the preacher and the evangelist, whatever the word of God is, it brings light to our life. Another part of my experience before I knew the Lord was I used to be terribly afraid of the dark. I didn't want to be in the dark alone. I was very afraid. And, um, but I went to Sunday school, and I had a Sunday school teacher who would uh, give us incentives to memorize the scriptures. I think it was just little silver stars on a card, but we could show them to our mother that we had memorized all four memory verses for that month or whatever it was. And if we went through the year, we got gold stars or something like that on our last card because we had all these little memory verses. And when you're in what we, I forget what we called it, was before preschool, Sunday school. But anyway, we just had short memory verses. I loved them because you know, they were short, easy to memorize. And I remember one of the ones that I was taught was, at what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And one night I was out, and my brother and his friends had run ahead of me and abandoned me and left me in the dark to walk home by myself. And it was a half a mile or so, seemed like to me forever. But I was, just started saying that memory verse out loud. At what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I repeated it. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. The more I said it, the better I got, the stronger I got. Amen. And the fear left me, and it's never come back. Now, that's the power of God's word. God's word can bring light into our lives. But I want you to know that as a Christian... You must live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. It is not somebody else's responsibility to open up the scripture to you. We can help you. We can encourage you. We can lead you. But you must follow. You must adopt the discipline of applying your heart to the wisdom of God and letting the word of God being grafted into your heart and into your life. You are a lamp and a lamp can't shine without light. We need that light of God's word in our life. I was thinking as I was preparing this message of how many times in a crisis, God gave me a word from scripture that guided me through that time of crisis. I would not be here without the word of God. And we all need the word of God in our hearts and in our lives. So I want to encourage you to be wonderful students of God's word and apply it to your heart. Amen. Take it and, and you take Psalm 1 and, and just learn how to meditate on the word of God. Let it become a part of you. Let it be engrafted into your soul. So that it has power over every other thing in your life. There's no enemy that cannot be overcome. The word of God is there to deliver us and to take us through. And I know there are many, many testimonies here today who would testify to that. But the word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So we can see where to step and we can see where to go and fulfill God's calling, God's purpose on our life, our, in, in our life. But we have to do that with the light of God's word. Amen. Amen. So I, I just commend you to, the, to not just the reading of the word of God, but to take it, to eat it, to digest it. To let it be absorbed into your soul and into your spirit. 
because it will be useful to you. And then there's oil, which is, I believe, representative of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus told the disciples, it's necessary to go to the Father, because then if I go to the Father, the Comforter can come to you. And I have been with you, but he will be in you. Amen. But the Holy Spirit in us is the power of God. Amen. To be able to live our lives. And when you're talking about enough oil, when you're talking about enough oil, some people, when they go swimming, they don't like cold water. I'm one of them. So I just put my foot in there. Cold water is comfortable for the feet. It's refreshing. But for the rest of my body, it can go without. But... You know, but some people are like that with the Holy Spirit. Just let me put my toe in there. Just need a little bit of oil. No, you do not need just a little bit of oil. You need oil. You need the oil of the Holy Spirit. You need the whole of that oil in you and you need that oil on you. Amen. Because that oil is powerful and it, in, it, brings, it brings to the lamp what is needed to keep it burning. Children are in here with us this morning. I tell you children, when I was your age, they taught me a song in Sunday school. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Amen. Old people, good song for you. Short, sweet, not hard to sing. You know, if I was better, I'd sing it for you. But anyway, but that's powerful. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. God wants you to burn with a bright light until Jesus comes again. There is a night coming. And what that tells us is now is the time to light the lamps. Now is the time to purchase and apply the oil, amen, to our lives and to obtain extra, extra oil, amen. If you got too much, then bless God, you can help somebody who needs some. But these wise virgins were not in a position to share with the foolish virgins. They had enough for their own lamps, but they did not have enough for theirs. And so I'm telling you, make sure you have enough. You don't want to just go part way. You don't want to just be a little bit filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Can you be a little bit filled with the Holy Spirit? I think filled means filled, right? Now, how, how do you know when it's filled? Starts coming out. Runs over. Amen. So I think the, the point is, and, and the scripture tells us, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continue to do it. Pentecostals, charismatics, get over it. One time experience is great. But that ain't going to be enough for the darkness. You got to go on in the Holy Spirit. You got to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, with a heart for the believers in Ephesus, said in Ephesians 3 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, that sounds like a lot. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width and the length and the depths and the heights 
to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That was his prayer for the church. That should be our prayer for our church, for the other churches, for ourselves and for one another. That we might be empowered with God's spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. We do all kinds of things to take care of the older man. The old man. Outer man. All all the above. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll go and we'll work out in the gym. And we'll sweat and groan and grunt for 45 minutes to take care of the outer man. And spend two seconds taking care of the inner man. I think that's the wrong proportions. Because the inner man needs to be strengthened. I read a statement by a philosopher who, as far as I know, was either agnostic or atheist. But he said the spirit spirit within a man is, is made up of the choices that he's made in his life. And that's not completely true. But there is a degree to which it is true. That what we choose to do with our time, what we choose to do with our energy, what we choose to focus on, what we choose to to be a part of, has so much to do with what we become. Amen. It's not all up to Jesus. Lord, fix me. (laughs) You know, I go, you know, if you need to be fixed, that's okay. But if you're depending on the Lord to take care of everything, there's something wrong. Because God's given us enough to have some wisdom, to make some choices, to do the right thing at the right time, and to apply our heart unto wisdom. It rests on us. Men, a lot of people blame the devil. Well, the devil can't do anything unless you give him your vote. Don't vote for the devil. Man, but when somebody yields their will to evil, that has power over you. Don't yield your will. Humble yourself before God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Amen. Don't vote for him. Vote against him. Hallelujah. These are the things that keep us strong. 1 Corinthians 14 states, He who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. There's nothing, there's something good about edifying yourself. Because if you're not edified, you're not going to be edifying. Got it? If you're not edified, if you're not built up, how can you build up others? You have to be built up so you can build up others. That's not selfish. Jude says, but you, beloved, Jude 20, 21, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. There's some, that's a recipe, I think. Sounds like a recipe to me. Doesn't that, Lindsay, this, do this, do this, do this, this much of this, that much of this, and that much of that. There's something there that the Lord's saying to us about how we maintain the lights and the lamps in our life. Hallelujah. We are called to redeem the time because the days are evil. What I'm speaking about this morning is redeeming the time. Taking the time, as Pastor John was saying, the day's going to come when it's too dark to work. And then we will not be able to work in those days. But until then, until then, we don't have any excuses. Let us work till Jesus comes. Let us keep applying our hearts, amen, to the word of God. Let us keep praying and being filled with the Holy Spirit, amen. Hallelujah. God's grace is a sufficient. There's nothing more wonderful than being empowered By his word and by his spirit, you will have everything you need. If you have these precious things as a part of your life, 
and if you attend to them. Amen. This is something. I want to just repeat what the Lord says. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. Keep watching. Keep watching. We as Christians should be paying attention. Paying attention. Things happen all the time. I was thinking, I heard this week about Pastor John helped me out, the British Premier or Prime Minister John, uh, Boris Johnson. Yeltsin's the other guy. But anyway, Johnson, Boris Johnson. Having drunken parties at number 10 Downing Street during COVID. During wars and rumors of wars, having a party. And I just heard that. And, and, but then the Lord began to speak to me, John, 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 John. Get this. Belshazzar was having a drunken orgy in a governmental center in Babylon. Drinking wine and making toasts out of the temple vessels from Jerusalem when the hand of God wrote on the wall. And that night his kingdom was pulled out from under him. And the Lord said, this is what's happening in England right now. Is they're drinking away the opportunity to be strong and to save what remains of that nation and of that empire. Amen. This is what's going on. So the news relates to the good news. Amen. The news relates to the good news. I read in Daniel about these beasts that come out of the sea. and One of them is a bear. A bear. Barely there, bear. He only has two legs. He's leaning on one side. He has three ribs in his mouth. And he's there to devour much flesh. That sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> I mean, it sounds to me pretty specific. A bear whose power has been diminished, but whose desire is still to devour much flesh. These are the things that are taking place around us in this very moment of history in which we're living. So you and I, cannot afford to be without our lamps, to be without our light, or to be without our oil. Will you stand together with me? Hallelujah. oil in our lamps. Keep us burning, Lord Jesus. Keep us burning till the break of day. Lord, let the light in the life of your people here today be a bright and burning light, Lord, that will not flicker, that will not go out, but Lord will be there to escort you into the wedding feast of the Lamb. Lord, you've called us as a bride. Let us be ready, Lord. Let us have on our garments and be ready, Lord, that, that we may come to that festival, to that feast, while the door is open, that we might come ready to enter in, Lord, being clothed in garments and having, Lord, lamps that are lit and oils to sustain the light of that candle or lamp. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would be ready. Lord, that none of us would fail of the grace of God. That none of us would turn back and go back where we came from. But Lord, that we would press on. I pray for those this morning, Lord, whose faith has been tested, who are discouraged and have been tempted, Lord, to, to turn back or to let up or somehow, Lord, 
just not have to press on. But Lord, you said to press toward that mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, so I pray for those, Lord, who have been discouraged that this morning they would be encouraged. Lord, that the oil of your Holy Spirit would flow, Lord, abundantly into their lamps and into their vessels. Lord, that they would have all that they need right now in their lives. Lord, that they would lack no good thing. They would lack no good thing. Hallelujah. Amen, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm looking for Chris and Lorena Brown. Are they here? Where, where, where? I'm missing you. Come on. Would you guys come up here? Lorena's and kids. Well, oh, oh okay. Oh, this, this is important. This is important. So can we wait a minute for Lorena? She gets here. <laughs> Chris is shaking his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows. Uh, but anyway, just wait just a moment here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, just bow your head. Just bow your head. Be prayerful. Oh, Jesus, how you love these precious people. How you love them. How you love them. Lord, thank you for them. The Lord was speaking to my heart as we were praying for Chris earlier this morning and saying, do not fear that the vision or the call has faded away. For my calling is without repentance. And my visions will sometimes tarry, but wait for them. Build a watchtower and wait for them. Watch for them, for they will surely come, saith the Lord. And that will day will come. When you will see those things, those dreams, those visions of your heart, the promises of God come to pass. It will come to pass quickly. You will not even see it approaching. You will not even see it drawing near. But suddenly it will break forth upon you. And in one day you will see that I will open a door before you and no man can shut it. And you will enter in with great great joy and rejoicing and know that I the Lord am faithful but you also need to know you are faithful you are faithful you have been faithful to me but I will be faithful to you saith the Lord and that vision will not fail and you will not falter saith the Lord hallelujah and thank you Jesus and thank you Jesus Amen. John and Prudence, just come pray with pray. Just stay right where you are. You need a Kleenex. Somebody get a Kleenex for him. Help, help, help. Amen. Hallelujah. Just, just, yeah, just pray quietly for them there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Stephen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. As I spoke to Samuel, I have spoken to you, saith the Lord. And you will see my word mature and come forth, bursting forth in these coming days, saith the Lord. As I birth, as I birth, as I bring to birth that seed 
that was planted in your heart, that seed of faith. The Lord says it's growing, it's become strong, and it will become mature, and it will bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. So just know, Stephen, that what's going on around you is not as great as what's going on within you. As the Lord brings forth his promise to you, this is a day and this is an hour to rejoice and be glad in the Lord your God and know that his plan is sure and certain. Thank you, Jesus. ask our single mothers to come up here if you would please come on come on single moms come on up here hallelujah Stretch your hands up here toward them. These are precious women. They carry a double responsibility. Parenting, having to be always the mother, but sometimes the father, and be what's needed in those times to be there all at all times the Lord just wants you to know that his grace is upon you his grace is upon you and his grace will be sufficient as your days are so shall your strength be Melinda those things that you have need of the Lord is going to bring them to pass they will be there they will not They will not tarry. They will come forth in the time and the season when they are needed. The answer will be there, saith the Lord. Amen, Jesus. Amen, the Lord. The Lord is pleased and blessed in you. Amen. Hallelujah. You were called to be their parents, but we cannot be their Savior. We can only be their parents and love them but the Lord will save them. The Lord will save them. He's heard your prayers. He's heard your cry. Do not fail and do not falter for the answers are close. Hallelujah, Jesus. The concerns and the burden of your heart the Lord wants to carry with you, Deborah. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. For he careth for you. He's seen your tears. He's heard your prayers. And he has recorded them and captured them. And they are precious to him. And they will bring forth a working of God. A working of God. Amen. A working greater than anything we could even dare hope or think or imagine. Amen. Better than we can think higher and greater than we can imagine. The Lord's going to do it, Deborah, because he's faithful to you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he shelters you under his mighty wings. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. 